Hello, old sports. Welcome back to the best take on KZLX LP Maryville, 1067 The X. We'll be your guides through the roaring 20s. And with me today in the studio, we have Will Linder. That's Colonel William Linder to you. Cody Nance. <laughs> Say, uh, she was definitely bitten by a werewolf. <laughs> Wesley. Uh yeah, train, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a quote. I couldn't. Is that Chief Wiggum? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no, guys, we weren't alive in the 1920s. Yeah. However, <laughs> we were alive in the 20s. <laughs> what a good oh, intro man. this is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm Kyle Harris. I forgot to mention that. Oh. Um, today we're going to talk about the our favorite movies of the <laughs> teens, uh, the mm. decade that has just wrapped. We have way more than five favorites. Uh, but for the sake of time, we're all going to go through our five favorite movies of the decade. Yes. Top five. The top five. Top five. Yeah. And then if we have time afterwards, we'll do some honorable mentions, interesting mm-hmm. trends, stuff, stuff like that. You Talk know? about the decade, man. Yeah, yeah sure. So how do we want to start this off? Will, why don't you start us with your fifth favorite? Okay. Movie. Are you doing favorite movies of the decade or best movies of the decade? I'm doing like my personal best films of the 2010s. Slash okay. This yeah. just happens to be my top five. Cool. For it. So I will first start out with uh, 2014's uh, David Ayer film, Fury. Oh. Uh, which oh, is yes. with uh, Brad Pitt, the Shia director LaBeouf. Of- the and director uh, of Suicide Squad. Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> and he made a much better film. So <laughs> uh, Fury is uh, based – I don't really know if it's based on, like, an actual war film or a war True book story. or memoir or something like that. However, um, it's basically the, the last months of World War II, and it's about this tank and, like, a bunch of its inf- infantrymen uh, called Fury, you know, and it's it's basically how like they're kind of like the last people in the the dying of like the you know German occupied Europe, and these guys are American, so they're just trying to trudge through the end of the war. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of like memorable scenes in it, uh, but this actually I I talk about this film because of dialogue. I think that the the character comparisons throughout the beginning and the end of the film are. Uh, super dynamic and i feel like they have a lot of emphasis on emotions and feeling throughout war like within the individual and not necessarily like in its outer sphere you know like a lot of war films taught like they show like oh my god like this is so horrible like this guy's arm is cut off or like the beginning of saving private ryan is this giant like um you know 20 minute omaha beach scene where you know things are just flying around and people are getting killed but this film is kind of different it's more like the the solemn like inside um personnel you know of of, like these people really trying to get through war and um the ending is a bit you know something kind of unexpected but you also feel like a a lot of um feeling of being humble with these guys so i feel like it definitely fits into like what I look for in a film, so that's why I have it in my top five. But I feel like this movie, this movie has a star-studded cast. By the way, we got Brad Pitt, John Berthenol, um Michael Pena, Logan Lerman, Logan Lerman, and Logan Lerman's character is by Shia LaBeouf's also in this. Uh, Logan Lerman's character is like super interesting because he starts off very timid and scared of just about everything. And then throughout the film, you see him, like, get harder as he experiences more tough war stuff. Like, uh, like towards the end, and he goes from not firing a single gun to going, die, Nazis, and, like, mm-hmm. shooting everything he sees. And I think that's a really interesting way. It was obviously a bit rushed because this is a two-hour movie, but yeah. I, I like it a lot. Cody, what's your fifth movie? My fifth movie is... Nightcrawler. Oh, really good. Yeah. Um, this is a movie about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Not about Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal. Uh, this is Jake Gyllenhaal as a sociopath who decides he's going to start, uh, he's going to become a stringer. And he's just following police scanners, trying to get new, trying to get uh, footage of things that will possibly be news stories to sell to all the local stations and become successful at that. And I think it's fascinating just because I love movies about sociopaths and stuff like that. And the things he does to other people to get himself ahead in this industry, it's honestly a little bit inspiring and it makes you a little bit sick because of that. Like inspiring is an interesting word choice. I mean, he's breaking like ethical boundaries. Well, this this movie's the reason I'm a mass media major. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe 
watch out for Cody, folks. Because <laughs> the we established that we knew to watch out for Cody. Yeah, <laughs> just be nice to him. Yeah, just be nice to him. Slavian brow. But okay, aside from him cutting Bill Paxton's brake lines and making his uh, intern get murdered, not paying his intern, stuff like that's that. the worst one. Not paying his intern. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I actually, the director is the same guy who last year was Oscar nominated for. Um, well, his movie was nominated, Roman J. Israel Esquire, mm. the Denzel Washington movie. And then this year, or 2019, he did Velvet Buzzsaw, which was like a really interesting movie from last year. So cool director. I think Dan Gilroy, is that his name? I don't remember. I just know Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, well, it was a movie you introduced me to freshman yeah. year that I really appreciate you showing to me because mm-hmm. I really liked it. Well, you know you know Nightcrawler? I haven't seen it, but I heard uh, really good things about it. I, if I remember what, it, whenever the year was, I think it was later in the two thousand tens. Twenty fourteen, right? Yeah, fourteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking of something else then. Uh, it got at least nominated for the Oscar for Best Picture. I, I can't remember or something. Oh, yeah, I remember it got some award, and I just remember it being a pretty well documented thing. I don't think I've heard about it until like now. <laughs> like it, it just kind of regained my memory, but I. Yeah, it might be something I need to check out. You do. Wes, uh, remind me here. One of the leads in the movie (coughs) is... Uh, is played by a rapper. I'm trying to remember his name. Mm. He's a Middle Eastern rapper. Riz from Ahmed. The, Riz Ahmed. That's it. Riz Ahmed kills it. I thought okay. you might know who the that villain is. Oh. In, uh, the villain the from Venom. Boys. The what? The villain from Venom. Oh, him. Yeah. Oh. He's the intern. That's cool. He's the villain too. Wait, no. No. Sorry. He's he's just yeah. the intern in this. Right. He's the villain in Venom. In Venom. Right. He really kills it, and I couldn't remember yeah. his name. No. Yeah. He's he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was one of those movies where I didn't I didn't see it because I blended mm-hmm. like like six Jake Gyllenhaal movies together for some reason like <laughs> Nightcrawler and then there was uh there's a Drive Drive because I know he was Drive's like, not a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Who was that? That's Ryan uh, Ryan, Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Oh, that's why. Very like similar tone, I yeah. think though. That's why I confuse those movies. Anyway, so. Disregard what I just said. Both about sociopaths with a cool car. True. <laughs> so what's my next? Yeah, go yeah, for okay. it. Uh, my number fifth is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We already talked about the last episode, but um, it's it's one of those Tarantino flicks. I oh, I just realized I have two Tarantino movies on my list. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tarantino's just been one of those directors where I've just been watching my whole life, and I've been a fan of all of his movies other than The Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Which I liked but didn't love, mm-hmm. uh, but this one I loved like all the other ones, and um, it's at number five because it was so good and it was so memorable, and I I just I appreciated almost all of the parts, and I watched it again, and I was like, oh, that was nice too. Mm-hmm. So it just it, it it really resonated with me. It's just like something that I'll probably watch and show my kids twenty years down the line, and it's one of those movies where I'll remember for the rest of my life for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Uh, my number five movie and kind of how I approached my list is I'm not saying these are the five best movies of the last 10 years. Um, I'm trying to actually space it out. So I have like an action movie. I have like a drama. I have a comedy. So just kind of like movies that I think represent the decade to me that I really love that are like some of my favorites of the decade. Um, and so number five, I have the first Kingsman movie, which I think actually might've started off a pretty big trend or maybe it was after John wick, but I think a big thing Mm. in the, in the teens that's going to carry on into the twenties is just like unflinching violence, just like long scenes that are just like wide shots or, you know, like easy to track super violence comparable to like the church scene in Kingsman or like John wick movies, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And there's plenty of imitators. Atomic Um, blonde. Yeah. And I think that this is honestly like a big reason for that is that, uh, you know, when I first saw this, I was probably like 15, 16 years old, blew my mind. I mean, I watched it like 10 more times with my friends just to get to like the church scene. Like you guys, you got to watch this movie because you have to see these five minutes Mm -hmm. and like there's other fun parts, but it was like that moment was I think a huge turning point for me in terms of how I watched movies and how action movies were made. So Kingsman. That movie kind of inspired me to watch a lot of more like um, action films that released like Unbuck. Like you guys ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like a lot of that stuff is it's kind of it stems from that like uh, I think Point Break Point Blank or something like that Point Break not the one Point of the break. Surfers. Are you thinking of the John Woo film? No, uh, Donnie Yen is in it and he's uh, a cop. It's a Chinese film. You know what I'm talking about? No, Donnie Yen. Uh, point Point uh Point something. Anyway, Donnie Yen is in the movie and it, it, he's like beating people up and he's a cop. Flashpoint. 
Flashpoint. Uh, Flashpoint. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's a really good movie. And like Kingsman kind of inspired me to watch a lot of like, like you said, unflinching action films. It was like huge in Asia and still is to this day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that kind of like I want to get into stunts and everything, like in choreographing, like fight stuff for movies, and that that kind of like kicked that off. I think for this decade, especially being that was one of the first movies where uh, I was alive when that came out, and I was like ready for it. I went to the movies to go see it, and it was like that type of action on a big screen. It was really cool. So yeah, mm-hmm. Kingsman is, is a really dope film. I love it. Well, that brings us up to number four, right? Yeah. So, Will, right. it's your turn. What's your fourth film? Uh, my fourth film uh, was something I think that we, as in the three of us, maybe we're there. Uh, <laughs> but we He's saw excluding an, uh, Wes for those. We're on the radio. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, Will's pointing. We're, we're yeah, being recorded. We, we so. don't know. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't yeah. know. Um, it's something that we watched in uh, ethnographic film s- studies class or whatever our freshman year. It's The Revenant. Um, oh yeah, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio winning his first Oscar. Like it matters. I th- I don't really get that thing. Like oh, Leo needs to get the Oscar and stuff like that. I'm like yeah, like it's cool, but there's a lot of people who haven't gotten yeah. Oscars. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's just, it the, it's just the fact that he was nominated every year. That's true. Like, yeah. if he wasn't nominated every year, it wouldn't have been such a big deal, but he was. Revenant was dope, man. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple of people who thought it was just, like, super long and boring, but I, I found it, I find the Hugh Grant, uh, not Hugh Grant, the um, uh, Hugh Glass story, which is based on a real thing where this guy gets attacked by a grizzly bear um, in the woods in the 1820s, and he has to, like, find his way, like, back to camp and stuff, like, nearly basically half dead yeah you know i just thought it was like it was so like interesting in my opinion i it's maybe just the feeling of isolation but also like being around like a lot other people you know because these are just it's it takes place in the early like 1800s and um kind of near the 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 territories that are not settled by people yet so it's all all it is is just like indians um and like they're you know fending off their tribes and then a bunch of like wild animals who are you know willing to kill you and it's also during winter and i think that something about the the real fear of like being alone in that situation and then like having to like do work and stuff like that but at any point you could just totally be raided and uh, it, it's all over. Yeah, I, I feel like that's like a cool part of that film that it would really emphasize, you know. Well, there's so many pieces to that that I think are interesting. I mean, last episode you guys talked about being media students and like the film production aspects that really interested you. And I believe that's the movie that was lit 100% with natural light, which I is think so, yeah. a yeah. huge challenge. Um, and then there's a couple moments in the movie that I think I just love. Like um, it opens with a campsite or a work site being raided by native Americans. And there's moments where they put everything in slow motion and it almost looks exactly like a painting, mm-hmm. like a painting you would see about, you know, that time period with those people. Um, so that was really beautiful. And then I've always just remembered and loved the speech where the kind of villain of the movie is talking to, I think uh, one of the younger less experienced members of the crew. He's played by the, Will Coulter. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like the God is mm-hmm. a rabbit scene where he talks about like how he was starving and um, then he found God and God was a, was a rabbit or a squirrel yeah. and he ate him. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I mean like so much of that movie has just stuck with me. Tom Hardy was in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom he's Hardy the guy that gave the, the speech. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the movie, I, I really liked it a lot because um, it felt really visceral. Like it felt like you were there. Like they mm-hmm. did a really good job with like little details, like teeth. Yeah. And like and like you, I felt like I could smell them throughout the whole thing. It, it felt like you were really there. And I think, uh, like the production and like the crew, the costume designers, whoever were like responsible for that, did an amazing job. And it, it felt like you said it almost like a painting at certain times. Like mm-hmm. it felt really real. And it's because it was shot by natural light. It had actors like just really into what they were doing, and the costumes were amazing in their own point and it felt that way it was a great film never realized like the 2015 and 2016 are like the pinnacle times where i felt like the best movies like came out for Mm -hmm. that for particularly the 2010s and this this one in particular just i don't know really kind of does it for me it's just like the 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 gruesome feeling of of again like this really violent nature and um, natural world that they're living in. And also just like the, the, the really crazy scenes that go into it, like how he has to, after the horse dies, he, you know, cuts it open, gets out its insides and then sleeps inside the horse. Yeah. Like what? That's crazy. You know? And <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I it just it did it for me apparently. Wow. So. so what's our order here, Cody? Are you next? Yeah, I'm next. Uh, my number four is the Lego Movie. Oh, mm-hmm. fun! Great See, movie. last week we uh, we talked about Shazam and how pure and wholesome that is, and that is the Lego Movie in spades throughout the whole thing. And like the writing of it is also super clever for a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many smart jokes that you won't get until like your fifth or sixth time watching it. Yeah. And I like the animation style, how, like, they pretend that it's stop motion, even though it's all CG. And everybody, of course, talks about the end when Will Ferrell is, like, the dad of this kid. And, like, my favorite thing about that part is um, the main antagonist, Lord Business, who's also played by Will Ferrell, when he walks, he has this robot sound. And then when we cut to the live-action Will Ferrell with his kid... He starts walking towards him to hug him, and they're playing that robot sound when the villain, uh, Will Ferrell, walks. And it's just one of those things, shed a little tear to your eye. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I just like Legos a lot in general. Yeah, man. Um, And this was a big movie. And Batman's in this movie. Batman's in (laughs) I think it was, like, long overdue for there to be, like, a Lego movie. But I wasn't really sure how it would be. So when they're they're like, oh, it's this guy named Emmett. And he goes on, like, all these crazy adventures to find (laughs) this one thing. And here's a bunch of celebrities. I was like, hmm, I'm not sure how this film is going to go. But I did see it in theaters when I was 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, really excited that, like, it was surprisingly very wholesome like you said so yeah that was a good movie i saw my little cousin and uh it was just it was a nice film like i felt like i didn't like like you said i didn't expect it to be as clever as it was mm-hmm. i didn't expect it to be as straightforward as just like like oh this is our thing this is what we have yeah. to do like it was like but it was really clever with how it how it was written and how they kind of played with the story and how they delivered in the end it was really nice how the main character's whole point is that he has no defining traits yeah. <laughs> and they still make you empathize with him that's <laughs> great Wes, what's your fourth film? Number four film is Argo. Uh, I have an interesting story about this one because uh, this this movie came out in 2012. 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, won the Oscar for Best Picture. Yeah. And the reason why I watched it is because uh, my mother and I made a tradition to watch um, all of the best pictured films like after it Mm -hmm. came out. So um, I hadn't even heard of the film before the Oscars. So I was like, whatever. But... This is the only movie where I was watching it like it was a sporting event. Mm. I got out of my chair, jumping up and down. Like, <laughs> get on the plane! Like it was, it, it was insane, man. I honestly that that movie like it got to my heart, bro. Like I was really like I was so into the film that I was like I, I've never done that before. I'm usually like sitting down and like mm, this is good, good filmmaking, you know. But <laughs> that one, I was just like I was in it and I was like jumping all over the place. I was like holding a pillow. I was, it was ridiculous, man. But that movie was just amazing. Every part of it, every bit of it, had me on on the edge of my seat. Uh, that's great. Yeah, that's that's kind of how me and Will felt about uh, 1917 when we saw it. Was like we, he was sneaking through like the trenches and stuff, and we're like, "Dude, get down, get down, dude!" <laughs> like me telling him is going to affect his yeah actions. <laughs> right, like, oh, right. Well, I guess I better. <laughs> yeah. I think that a really interesting topic is just the Iranian Revolution in yeah. general of 1979. Um, that the whole war that kind of started off. The things that we are are facing now in today's political climate um, with, you know, America and Iran and how tensions are high. Um, Think about, you know, just 40 years ago when they were trapped inside that embassy, you know, basically hostage for many, many months at a time. And how like crazy of a plan that was, was like, hey, let's like create like this fake movie and we're Canadian and we're going to like go over and we just need to film in Iran and we're also going to take six Americans with us. And Mm -hmm. crazy. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. It's an amazing film. I'm surprised that it got you uh, so hyped while you're watching it because full disclosure, I haven't finished it. Mm -hmm. I, I fell asleep. When we rented it, yeah. uh, when it first came out, and never tried to watch it again. Because you were 13, but now they're pretty much, a yeah. More. Yeah, dude. When, I, oh, when they were trying to get on the plane, bro, I was like freaking out, man. Mm-hmm. That thing had me tripping. It's a good movie, though. Well, for my fourth film, uh, I don't think anyone else here has seen First Reformed. Mm-hmm. I have heard of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, it came out in 2017, and it's the story of like a small town priest. Um, and basically, a person comes to him. Uh, to like confess or talk and he's like an eco-terrorist almost um, kind of like you know blowing up like oil company factories and stuff like that or like planning to 
And so it's kind of his job to talk this person down, but over the course he almost becomes radicalized himself. Hmm. It's an insanely well-written film. The dialogue, like I should download the script and study it because every line is amazing. Um, but also it's kind of bone chilling at parts. You know, somebody smart once said that horror is taking something and just like twisting one aspect of it and like making mm-hmm. it something it's not supposed to be. Um, and so this is a, a straightforward film about this small town priest. Um, and then at a certain point, people start floating and like spoiler alert, this movie's been out for a while. Uh, the end is like him wrapping himself in barbed wire and like in the middle of the church and like floating in this barbed wire and like screaming in pain. And there's like blood coming off of him. Like it's very gruesome. Um, but also like uncharacteristic from what you would expect from the film in a way that like chills your bones or like makes Mm -hmm. the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And I think that it belongs on this list because one, it's one of the best written films of the decade in my opinion. And then two, it's kind of topical in that it talks about an issue like climate change, which is a big deal, like in the times we're living in now. So that's kind of why I included it on the list is cause like my last film Kingsman talked about like action movies in the, t- in the teens. Mm-hmm. And this is like my dialogue drama. I sure. Think, so. yeah. Are we really on uh, number threes already? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, am I going to start my uh, number three film was something I think we've seen. Um, I think all of us, Maybe. I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Um, it was Moonrise Kingdom. Oct- oh, yeah. And uh, it's ba- <laughs> <laughs> it's a Wes Anderson film. Uh, it, it's, again, this is like, there's many different parts of this film that make up like a cool masterpiece and stuff. Um, so with that being said, it's basically a film about this Boy Scout Khaki Scout Khaki is Scout. their knockoff term because knock-off Boy Scout term. is a registered trademark. Uh, <laughs> and they are basically, yeah. you know, he, he's kind of like the misfit of this troop and whatnot. And he decides to basically run away. And at the same time, there's this other girl uh, who is also a misfit. And she decides, well, I'm also going to run off with this, like, other boy. And we're going to, like, go to the cliffs and stuff like that and basically just camp and dance in our underwear and stuff <laughs> and do all these weird things. It's a weird part of the film, but it's mm-hmm. there. Um, and it's uh, it's it's a Wes Anderson film, so if you haven't seen it, there's many, like, kooky and weird parts about it that make it kind of fun. Um, and everything just kind of worked out for me, so I put it really high on the list. Um, it's got Edward Norton, as, as of course, Bill Murray is in it. Um, Bruce Willis, Bruce Tilda, Willis Swinton. Tilda Swinton. It's a stacked <laughs> cast, and uh, it's just, it gets weirder and weirder as like the time goes on. Like, and every time I watch it, I kind of pick up on weird things. But yeah, it, it's 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 just kind of wholesome for me, I suppose. Here's my hot take. Hot takes. I worry that 20 years from now, or sooner or later something is going to come out about Wes Anderson and this will be the movie that people point to. Mm. And the way that like, now that we know about what we know about Woody Allen, you look at a movie like Manhattan where Woody Allen dates a 16 year old girl oh, for sure. And you're yeah. like, Oh yeah, there were signs. Like <laughs> I, I'm worried about Wes Anderson doing something and this being that movie for him. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. there is some weird stuff with the kids. Mm-hmm. Cause I have seen Manhattan. It's like from 1979 and it's just, I don't know. Like it's it's maybe not the most appropriate thing. Yeah. Even before I knew about like Woody Allen and just kind of his lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but man, I really hope that nothing happens to <laughs> Wes Anderson. Yeah, I mean Wes is quite like one of my favorite directors, and I I do really love that film. When I first started dating my girlfriend, it was like one of the first things I showed her just to kind of like gauge her taste in movies yeah. and like introduce her to more like art films that I was passionate about. Cause I do think it's like probably his most approachable work. Honestly. I, uh, Fantastic. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fox. Yeah, I'd probably. Well, but on paper, like if you look at the two, like here's a story about some kids that run away oh, versus yeah, here's Fox. a stop motion Fox that robs these three farmers. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like one is definitely like the more approachable, I, I think that. based yeah. on like, the back of the DVD box. I guess so. I don't that think I'd sense. show him Grand Budapest Hotel or even like Isle of Dogs is a bit like much. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a lot of things going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would probably agree with that. Cody, what's uh, your third film? My third film is Mad Max Fury, Fury Road. Mm. Um, I, I wasn't supposed to watch this movie. Like, uh, we went to the theater that day to watch San Andreas. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> San Andreas was not at the theater yet. So mm-hmm. Dad was like, 
I guess we're already here. What looks good? And I was like, I mean, I, I guess Mad Max looks okay. Mm-hmm. And then we went in there, and it's just this huge ride of a, a single car chase. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how well they keep your interest while nothing else is happening. Like, mm-hmm. and it, the there's very little CG. They're actually crashing all of these cars. Yeah. And the shot where Tom Hardy's like going over the thing on the pole, like I oh, love yeah. that shot, like Jack Sparrow style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think it it fits the trend that we hinted on earlier with like Kingsman and John Wick, mm-hmm. of just like unflinching action. Like American audiences in the teens will not tolerate anything but action in their action movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're done with the filler, we're done with the setup. <laughs> like we just want the action. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, is anybody here not like Mad Max Fury Road or haven't seen it? No, I mean, I, I saw it and I was like, "This is a nice." Film. Yeah. Thanks, Cody. We actually went, we, we made film. you watch it, didn't you we? Did. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. We watched it, the three of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wes, Cody, that. and I. Yeah. So I saw I, it on my own. I remember watching it a long time ago, but I I enjoyed kind of all the parts, and I think that for other people, like if they're serious about like making movies and stuff, mm-hmm. this would probably be a, a good recommendation for it. This is something that yeah. they would probably teach in a film class, you know, just, mm-hmm. hey, this is how cinematography, like, you know, like this is good examples and stuff, and here's how to like film a cool action scene. And All of the so. Mad Max movies in general are yeah, just a everything. really a really good lesson on how to effectively use your budget. Yeah. Because the first couple are very, very low budget, <coughs> and the things they're able to pull off of that is quite impressive for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Wes, what do you got? Yeah, my number three is Django Unchained. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is one of the movies where I think um, my dark sense of humor kind of right. uh, <laughs> yeah, existed. Um, but, I mean, Django was just – it was a great film. I, I, I It's the second Tarantino flick on my uh, – on my list and i don't know i mean every part of it was just was just amazing uh I, i'm not the biggest fan of um of movies that sort of like here's like here's a slave movie to oscar bait people mm-hmm. like obviously it's a very sensitive time in american history so it's very easy to make a, a sad movie about slavery because you can't make a happy movie about slavery mm-hmm. but you know here we are it's takes place in in the 1800s and here's a here's a western where the main character is a slave former mm-hmm. slave and that was just an interesting twist on all of them. Like even Twelve Years a Slave is about a about slavery, you know. Mm-hmm. And this one is more about like what happens outside of slavery during that time. And I don't know. I think it was really, really, really cool. And the action was amazing. All of the weird physics that they had in it was really amazing. Uh, Say bye, pa. <laughs> bye, pa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, and I mean, um, I'm a big fan of westerns. I didn't realize that until I watched this again, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I do like westerns a lot." Yeah. So I, I, I really think that this movie kind of hit everything for me. It was funny. It was like the best part of the scene. I never like if uh, this movie came out in 2014, I believe. 20, something like that. Something like Sounds that. right. So before 2012, I think maybe 2012. Yeah. So before this movie, if you said, "Man, the funniest part of that movie was the KKK," like <laughs> that was, you know what I mean? Like that would be something that couldn't happen before that movie. And but somehow that was by far one of the most funny moments I've ever seen in cinematic history. Mm. <laughs> the KKK <laughs> were hilarious and the butt of jokes. And I think that's the only way they should belong. It's Next time I'll tell my wife to cut eye holes, okay? <laughs> well, next time, how about this? It was just great. It was great. The whole thing and Django was just, it was a fun movie overall. I watch it at least three times a year and yeah. I don't like watching movies over. So that should mm-hmm. tell you how much I love that film. Cool. I think it's interesting how there's not many like people who are like, wow, I take, like, serious offense to, like, the fact that they made slavery, like, you know, and the whole emphasis of it almost comedic. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a lot of people who would probably, like, get super, like, touchy with that. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that Tarantino is kind of notorious for not necessarily holding back a whole lot of things. Yeah. Like, I'm just surprised that that film, like, can stand, like, all the stuff that it really talks <laughs> yeah, about. Because it's super violent and, like, super about you know violence and race and stuff so yeah I, I just i think it's it's real like like stuff like that actually happened not like <laughs> you know what i'm saying but like what those characters went through with like slavery being taken from one place being beaten having your name changed like being separated from your family your wife like that stuff actually happened that's the stuff that 
I see it. I'm like, yeah, that's real. But it's also nice to know, like, he's basically a superhero. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. and that's just it, it. That rarely happens. Usually, it's just like I have my family back, and I'm not sure where it's all. Like, yeah. no, nah, he like this dude. Like, he killed everybody, and he got his girl in the end. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, that's that's just a good story to me. I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, great. I have one more hidden gem. I feel like I'm the guy that brings movies up here that nobody else has seen, and yeah. that can be fun. But we also like to, you know, get into good conversations. So one more. Hidden Gem, and then I have two popular releases. Uh, but Lady Bird it was a really big movie for me. Um, this was, I think, Greta Gerwig's first real directorial debut. Um, she did some short films, but um, it's a story about a girl growing up in California. She's like 17 or 18. She's about to go to college. Um, she's just kind of learning her place in the world. She starts as like this rebellious teenager that wants to go to like an art school and hates her parents because maybe, you know, they're they don't have any money and she's not maybe mature enough to recognize that and just kind of angry at the world for her scenario. And then at the very end, she goes off to college and kind of has, you know, whatever the opposite of foresight is hindsight, I guess. And like really appreciates her parents and the town where she grew up. And it's just a really beautiful story. And yeah, I, I talked about little women last episode, same director, Greta Gerwig. Um, and so I put this on the list because I kind of see her and people like her husband, Noah Baumbach, and kind of like the mumble core, mumble film core. People right, are talking. Yeah. Uh, there's a the mumble film core. Well, well there's it's a like term how for it. Noah yeah. Baumbach, like his, most of his films are about like one subject. Um, Kicking and Screaming is about like all these newly, uh, newly grads um, who are just trying to like figure out their way through life at the beginning of you know, their, their adulthood, mm-hmm. but kicking and then like marriage story about soccer, 1995's <laughs> kicking and screaming. But, but I think the, yeah. the big common thread is that they're very dialogue heavy films where the plot is mostly just people talking. <laughs> like there is not a lot of plot. It's just kind of people living their lives with great dialogue. And so I wanted to represent one of those films on my list. And I think my favorite of them is Lady Bird. So that's my number three. Nice. Sure. I think I like that film. Uh, my girlfriend talked about it a lot. It was one of her favorite films of, the past couple of years so i definitely want to check it out i like those type of movies where it's like dialogue heavy and just kind of story driven by like caricature work and mm-hmm. you know i think it's dope yeah it's yeah. really cool but now we're on to number two already so will number two. number two my number two was interstellar mm. christopher ah. nolan yes uh um, that is actually my number one your number one okay mm-hmm. but it was my number two it probably wouldn't be like my number one it, it was somewhere probably my top five and i couldn't really place it but then i started to think more about like the things like the, the scientific part about all of it and just like, okay, like let's, let's start like a big analysis of it. And I'm like, yeah, this is like my number two. Um, it's uh, maybe somebody else like can talk about this film more eloquently than I can, but it just kind of was one of those things that I could like sit through it, like kind of process it like a little, like piece by piece and then look back on it and say, wow, like this is actually like a really good like film that has like a beginning, middle, end, but also like a roller coaster of different things in between um, as far as like the scientific properties of that film consist of. And man, like it's just so much like stuff Mm -hmm. that I mean, it's really just about like the earth is dying and there's like this kind of like last mission to um, like send people to a different planet in order to like colonize it and stuff. And there's a whole bunch of like science behind it. And there's like Neil, it's like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, like favorite apparently. Yeah. um, It's a lot different than gravity. Like the one that he, (laughs) he did not like, but um, there's a whole bunch of parts to this like film and you could spend hours on it, but um yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it like really fit for me. And also the emotional appeal of the film where Matthew McConaughey is this father and now he has to be an astronaut, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> and save the planet. Like, th- th- you know, he has his kids to look out for because his kids on earth are still in school. And, at, at, and during like, I guess their academic careers, like they have to like score really high in the percentile or else like they become just farmers or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? So there's a whole bunch of like stuff I felt like were really interesting parts to it so yeah i mean i think that movie for me was like my star wars and when i say that i mean like my father described when he went to go see new hope and seeing the ship come across okay like it just blew his mind like having the sound design and what it looked like when uh they were initially going through the black hole in interstellar that blew my mind i didn't even fathom 
anything like that. And it just, I mean, the way it sounded, the way it felt, it felt like you were in the ship with him. And it really, it really just blew my mind. That was yeah. the first time I ever walked out of a, um, <coughs> excuse me, a movie theater. It was just like that, like my eyes were like wide. I was like, it just blew my mind completely. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> <coughs> well, I think that yeah. like there's, the science behind it is really cool, but yeah. also like, cause Christopher Nolan is really good about just like having things link up to one another mm -hmm. and for it to be kind of in this operative system. You see that in the dark Knight and like yeah. other films that he's done, yeah. but I, I don't know, like it just, it things just kind of fit in with like the scientific relativity for it. And I think that that, says a lot about putting in a ton of work into a film right and like especially the the special effects have to be accurate 100%. as well so a lot of cool things in that y yeah i i remember liking interstellar but it is the only christopher nolan movie i've only watched once interesting mm -hmm. well i mean yeah. it's it's a long one and yeah, yeah. pretty complicated so i don't yeah. blame you well but i will say i think what made the movie special for me because i also really love interstellar um it came out when we were probably freshman or sophomore in high school, mm -hmm. roughly. And I'm just kind of transitioning 14. from a person who just likes watching a lot of big blockbuster movies to somebody who's starting to really care about the craft and trying to challenge myself with like deeper films, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is a very complex film. Like the ending rev involves time travel and like time and space, weird distortion, yeah. like time communication through. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I just remember almost a feeling of pride or like, like an aha moment where like, you know, when the movie was over, I didn't 100% understand everything that had happened, but I sat and I thought about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And after thinking about it, I came up with, like what I think happened in the film and why it works and what I think they're trying to say. And I just remember kind of like an aha moment where I was like super stoked that I got the film. Yeah. So. I, I just, I remember being emotional throughout the whole thing. Like uh, all the stuff that was happening with his kids, like we mentioned it was time travel. So it's his, basically his kids were growing up and he wasn't. So he was staying the same age and his mm -hmm. kids were still aging, having kids, starting families and everything. And he wasn't there for any of it, but they were able to send him out videos like in the, in the capsule thing to, to the ship and everything. And I don't know. I think there were just so many parts in there where it was just amazing. It has a really good cast and Hathaway, uh, the one dude, Matthew McConaughey, yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Topher Matthew Grace from that 70s show. Casey yeah. Affleck. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it's, there's a lot of people. Michael Caine's in it. He plays a big role. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, he's a, the, the Timothy Chalamet. Mad Damon's in it. Um, he's he's one of the doctors. Um, right. Oh, he's the guy so that was on the the ship, right? He was the guy yeah. that was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, jo uh, John on the Lithgow, planet, so. and he lied about it being right. hospitable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that movie was just. Um, I mean, it had everything for me. It it blew my mind. And it it's the point that like it just makes you think. Yeah, you know, I think that I like that's well smart. enough to where it's like mm -hmm. okay, so like I'm gonna sit down like after this film and like try to figure out like what the parts I missed yeah. and stuff. And like the fact that it makes you like go around like I don't know. That's yeah, enough for cool. me. I felt so smart after watching that movie. Yeah, like because it explained everything pretty. I I would say that. Elementary, like it was enough to where like a fourteen-year-old, as I was at the time, could understand what was happening, and I was interested into like. And it makes people and, interested in like science. Yeah, right man, young, like so. for sure. Like, what's beyond the black hole that really like kind of creates some sort of like tension in your head? Like, yeah, what? I don't know. I think it was really it had everything for me. It just blew my mind. I loved mm -hmm. it every second of it. Cody, what was your second film? Deadpool. 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 Nice. Deadpool. It, it's more of just an emotional how. It's just how emotional the experience of finally seeing a Deadpool movie was for me. Yeah. Because I'd been a Deadpool fan for several years just reading comics thinking, yeah, I'm never going to get a movie about this. And then the movie gets announced. And I'm like, there's no way it's going to be good. And then it comes out and makes more movie, more money than any R-rated movie ever at the time. Yeah. And it actually was good. And it, um, it does help it out that – it was the last movie I got to see with my brother and ha that whole experience going to that movie for me is one of my most cherished memories because of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just honored with how witty the dialogue was. And I mean, some of the jokes felt flat, like Kyle, you, you always talk about the, uh, the Brown pants joke. Cause everybody knows the Brown pants joke. Yeah. And, but I've kind of, <laughs> I've taken a different approach to it lately where now I'm just like, you know what? So they did take a joke off the internet. 
whatever you know yeah. like I'm, I'm willing to put that behind me because i agree that deadpool is a good movie i mm-hmm. really like it too and i'm just i just i i really respect ryan reynolds for, for sure the dedication he put into this movie like yeah. he was trying to get this movie made for 11 years and like almost went crazy because of it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the is the brown pants joke from the movie or is it yeah, the, yeah it was in the trailer which scared me off originally it's it's a joke where it's like you know i heard tough guys wear red shirts so that nobody can see them bleed this guy gets it that's why he wore the brown pants and the reason it bothered me is because i was a boy scout growing up mm-hmm. and a part of that is like skits by like the bonfire you know people will get up and like tell jokes or do little vignettes or skits and that was like cliche like people had done it so many times like it was just like a known joke that like when they put it on tv as like something new I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> me and my so 11 year old <laughs> friends have been saying this joke for years. <laughs> uh, interesting enough, I actually like the second one better than the first one. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just a better film. Like, I really loved the first one, right. but I really thought I, I enjoyed the second one. I was like, I like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I go I back and forth. I yeah. go back and forth in them. I see the first one as a lot more cartoonish and, and mm-hmm. fun when the second one's actually trying to be a movie more. Yeah. Because the second one's directed by uh, one of the John Wick guys, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Chad Stahelinski, the stunt coordinator? Uh, yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it showed off. It was a really good movie. I liked mm-hmm. the second one a lot. Well, I think it's interesting that, like, let's compare it to other superhero films. Yes, the first movie develops Deadpool, mm-hmm. but it also develops so many other characters in a way that other superhero movies haven't been able to and really builds a universe contained within just him, where it's like you have, is it Deep Ender, the tax, taxi Dopeender. driver? Dopeender. <laughs> you have, like, the old blind lady. You have T.J. Miller, the bartender. And these are all characters that you, like, remember and mm-hmm. are excited to see in the next movie. And I feel like maybe it's just because of the way the MCU is structured. But, like, you don't get that in Spider-Man origin stories or Thor yeah. origin stories or anything like that. So. And plus, there's just so many jokes in this movie that no matter what, you're going to miss one because you're laughing so hard at the last one. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think my only, like, <clears throat> problem with, like, Deadpool movies were just that um, Deadpool is one of those characters where everybody likes them. Mm-hmm. And they're always like, oh, I'm Deadpool, I'm Deadpool. It's the same way with the Joker. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I love the Joker, I love the Joker. So... I, I am a Deadpool fan, and I've liked him in comic books. I've liked him in animated films, and I like the film as well. But I just I get nervous sometimes with those characters because everybody loves them, and it's like everybody that loves them. No offense, Cody. It's usually people who are like well, nobody else like Deadpool. Like, like I'm, a, uh, I'm, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like like oh I'm weird. I'm I'm different because I like Deadpool. Like no 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 you're like everybody else who likes Deadpool. I go to <laughs> Comic Con. There's at least thirty Deadpools. And like yeah. I don't know. It's it's, it's a weird character. But I love Deadpool. I love Deadpool kills the whole Marvel universe, and I, I love all of the comic books well, that he's been in. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, Deadpool's really dope. In Kahoka, I was one hundred percent the only person who knew what a Deadpool was. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you, man. But in Kansas City and in Chicago, <laughs> yeah. everybody's Deadpool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, well, that makes it your turn, Wes. What's your oh, second? film, My second right? film. Uh, speaking on Spider Spider stuff. No, we're not talking about Spider Man. We're talking about superhero stuff in Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse is my for sure number two film of the decade. It's actually like probably my favorite superhero film ever um which is weird to me because i did not have any expectations going into it um initially i am personally a big fan of miles morales as a character mm-hmm. i was really hoping with the new spider-man stuff they'd actually just do miles morales they did half mm-hmm. of the story with uh the new homecoming stuff which is kind of made me mad because i'm like that's that's miles story they're kind of telling now but they just didn't have the balls to make it actually miles well is, miles is mentioned in homecoming he's mentioned as like a toddler probably but yeah. that's definitely his backstory that they're telling with uh the which is peter parker which is fine because you know tom holland's cool and everything but anyway uh into the spider-verse is the movie that miles morales fans deserved like uh we i i've loved miles morales since they uh, introduced him in the uh, ultimate comic books uh, series back in the day and um um, it's just it, it was a really cool story when I saw the uh, trailer for it I got really excited because I'm like oh yeah. they're actually doing that but I didn't know it was going to be animated so I got kind of disappointed like oh it's just gonna, they're just going to toss it away it's going to be another animated film but they didn't they spent a lot of time in it the cast is stellar uh, the effort that they put into making it in into like the soundtrack and into the whole feel of the film really resonated with me as a comic book fan, me heck, as a black person, and me as like just somebody who's always loved Spider Man as a character. Mm-hmm. And for Miles Morales, which has been is was my personal favorite Spider Man, it was really nice to actually see him have a film that was fleshed out, that really was put effort into it, and that Sony backed it up enough to where like, hey, we're gonna make a sequel to it in the next couple of years. Yeah, it was a great film, had everything that I ever needed in, in a superhero film, and I loved every second of it. For sure. uh, this yeah. just 
barely missed my top five. Yeah. Um, this is probably number six, if I'm honest. Um, it's just amazing, like, how much they understand Spider-Man fans mm. in this movie. Yes. Like, they know the message is anybody can beat Spider-Man. It could have been anybody that was bit by that spider. Um, like, <laughs> it, at um, Peter Parker's funeral in the movie, uh, and the last, like, Stan Lee cameo that, like, had me in tears mm. because mm-hmm. um, he was like, don't worry, it always fits. Yeah. And then uh, he goes to the the funeral and uh, Mary Jane's up there saying, you're all Spider-Man. It is up to us now. And, yeah. he, and Miles says, you're right. It is up to me. Like, and the guy next to him, <laughs> she, I don't think she was talking to you specifically. <laughs> I think it was kind of like a general thing. Yeah, uh, that movie's great, man. I love every mm-hmm. second of it for sure. Yeah. All right, my film. And I have taken slight heat for this stance before. But I'm going to say that it's our generation's easy rider, which is a weird take to have. But Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I'm I'm surprised this isn't number one for you. Well, it's a movie that I've always said is my favorite movie because it's made such an impact on who I am. And I think it's made such an impact on how so many people our age and who they are. Um, I think it's kind of like an era defining film where it's like everyone our age has seen and enjoyed Scott Pilgrim versus the world. (laughs) And all of our parents hate it. (laughs) Yes. And nobody who's not our age understands it. Which nobody like supported in the box office really like all that much. (laughs) Well, we were like 12 when it came out. So like, but yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think it's so unique. And I honestly think the fact that it's built on a manga is kind of prescient. Mm-hmm. I think that that was really ahead of its time to be like adapting manga or anime into something for American audiences. I've never personally read the manga. That's not my like kind of style. Anime manga stuff isn't usually for me, but it's definitely a huge trend that's you know been big for the last couple of years and will become even bigger in the future as that stuff is so popular. So I think that's why it definitely deserves a spot on the list. And then sure. yeah. This is a movie I've seen probably more times than any other movie. I could probably quote the entire thing. <laughs> got here? <laughs> no, if he just left. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many mo- moments like that that mm-hmm. like we could all quote our favorite five yeah, Scott Pilgrim parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I th- yeah, Scott Pilgrim is just one of those movies. Like you said, this is an era-defining film. Like My girlfriend just recently watched it, and I uh-huh. said recently in the past like, two years or so, and she loved it. I mean, like, and uh, she's usually not into like weird films that are like – they're trying to be weird too mm-hmm. uh but she loved the film and I, I this is one of those movies that just speaks to an entire generation of people well, not kids anymore people men yeah. adults women you know what i mean yeah. and yeah it's it had it had just about a, it, I, don't, I don't even know why it's not in my top five you know what i mean it's in my top <laughs> five in my heart mm-hmm. so i know it's in my top 10 somewhere but yeah it's just that that great my movie's great michael Sarah's awesome yeah well and we did a little strategizing before we started recording of like you know i'm a huge wes anderson film fan and so like i don't have any on my list but i knew will was going to talk about yeah, yeah. kingdom so like that's kind of how yeah, it works yeah, out yeah, it's like yeah, we yeah. would all say that scott pilgrim is a great film i think yeah. but like yeah only one of us needs to put it on the list so we can all talk about <laughs> great <laughs> movies True. oh yeah so are we on to number one? This brings us to number one. Number one. I don't think that anybody in this room has seen mine, um, but it did really well at the 2016 Oscars, twi- or which would be 2017. Uh, it was a movie called Lion. Oh, uh, I know you're talking. Oh, about. yeah, I've heard about yeah. that. Lion is. Uh, it was a film. Basically, it was an Australian film yeah. uh, that did really well in the states. Uh, basically it's about this guy named Saru. And when he was five years old, it's based on a true story. When he was five years old, um, he was with his brother and they are like walking around like the train station in, I believe, uh, Mumbai or no, it was Bombay or Calcutta, excuse Calcutta. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, they, they're walking around this uh, giant city and stuff and they get lost at the station. And so Saru basically is put, like on the streets, you know, then he's moved to an orphanage uh, because they can't find his mom because India is just so huge. It's like a billion people. And then they're like, okay, we're going to put you with this white family in New Zealand and like hope you do well um, because this orphanage is terrible and we're, we can't have you here anymore. So they take him over to like, you know, uh, New Zealand or I think Tasmania. They give Tasmania it was. Uh, they give him his great life, you know, and he grows up. And then when he reaches like his uh, his early to mid-20s, he starts to discover this thing called Google Earth, which was like a really new thing at the time. And he begins this search on like trying to uh, find his mother and possibly his brother um, on, on this like 
you know, huge journey throughout India and stuff. And so it's mostly just like him feeling like super unfulfilled with like who he is as a person, uh, because he's never really had like the true, like, you know, uh, relationship with like his mom because he was just so young. And I don't know, just that I love Indian films, I guess about India, um, I'm not a big Bollywood guy, but you know, I'm, I'm really into like Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire. Um, Same actor. Yeah, yeah, Dev Patel. He's he's pretty great. Uh, Lion. There's been a couple others that I've enjoyed throughout the years, and I just think it's like in such an interesting uh, country, and it's huge, and that's like what makes this like a really interesting watch. You know. Yeah, actually, I've seen this movie, but I forgot about it. Oh, really? Not that it's bad or anything. <laughs> it's just that I just it just slipped my mind when I. Think about movies that came out this past decade. Yeah. But yeah, actually, I did see this movie. I did enjoy it for what it was, and I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as you were describing, I'm like, that sounds super familiar. I'm pretty sure I watched it, and I did. I did watch that movie. It was a good movie. Yeah, and it's yeah. got, like, some crazy, like, endings and stuff to yeah. it that I wasn't really expecting. And um, I don't know. I just think that it, it holds up. So I kind of wanted to watch it. Um, there are two reasons I did not watch it. <laughs> Number one... I just had surgery and I was like under a lot of doctor orders to not uh, drive to my movie to theater. To not watch Indian films. <laughs> to, not, to not drive to the movie theater. Not <laughs> to, <laughs> to not do anything like strenuous or anything like that. But um, it also came out at the same time as Lego Batman and John Wick 2, which That's I true. went against yeah. doctor's orders to go see. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, what was your number one film? All right. So this movie is very unfairly criticized. Every time I watch this movie, I find something about it that I like more and more. Every time I see it, I, I like it again oh, no. and again. Oh, no. um, <laughs> all right, guys. It's a hot take, so take your guesses of what it is. I know what take it is. Guess. I'll abstain. I just okay. remembered. Will? There, there's so many movies that you like, and I'm just like, come on, man. Like you got to <laughs> pick some better. Um I don't know. I'm going to guess it's like some obscure Star Wars movie. Rogue no. One, maybe. There, there is know. no obscure Star Wars movie. <laughs> Not obscure, but like just like the fact, like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to really enjoy no. that one. Where's I the, do really enjoy Rogue One. Rogue Worse than great. any of the Star Wars movies. Wes? I'll I have hints. no idea, man. I. You have you like a, like you said you like a lot of movies <laughs> that are weird. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. All right, Kyle. Is it Batman versus Superman? It Cody? is Batman versus <laughs> Superman: Dawn of Justice, the political thriller of the decade. Oh, jeez! Oh. This movie is about what would really happen if Superman and Batman existed in the world today, and people don't want to accept that. People don't want to accept that. Yeah, after twenty years in Gotham and all the terrible stuff that happens to him. Batman will start killing people eventually. People don't want to face that Superman feels out of out of place in the world because he is an alien. People are terrified of this person. Nobody would welcome him with open arms like they do in like in Everything the Christopher else. Reeve movies and stuff. And it's a great adaptation to say it's a great adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns and it's amazing of Zack Snyder's vision of what if these people were real? Um, yeah, actually, I, <laughs> I I was one of the few people who actually enjoyed that film as well when it first came out. Uh, I wasn't like afraid to say it, you know, but I'm a fan of Batman and The Dark Knight uh, Returns. Yeah, is my personal favorite graphic novel. It's great, and uh, that being an adaptation of it, mm-hmm. uh, that gave it like a lot of points in my book already, hoping it was going to be good and liking you know Zack Snyder's original stuff or stuff that he'd done before that. Mm-hmm. I was like, this would probably be good, and I en- I enjoyed it, man. I had fun with it. Yeah. I, did, I did not like everybody hated Justice League. I like Justice League too. Well, one more thing to say about that: uh, release the Snyder cut. <laughs> All right, release the Snyder cut. <laughs> oh, I hope he hears this, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wes, yours was Interstellar, Interstellar right? Yeah. So that leaves me. Uh, I think that no film was more like prescient, I guess, or like nothing better predicted what the decade would be than 2010's The Social Network. Mm. I think oh. it's just maybe one of the tightest movies of all time. And I don't mean tight in like the frat bow, like, bro, that was tight. I mean, just like, <laughs> <laughs> like everything is necessary and everything works so well. And it's what gets me is that it's always shorter than you expect. Like, I always watch the movie, and I think this movie has maybe the best ending in any movie ever because um, you never see it coming. Uh, 
Zuckerberg is just at a table, you know, kind of discussing his plans after this lawsuit with somebody, and they start playing Baby, You're a Rich Man by the Beatles, and then it's just over all mm-hmm. of a sudden. And I'm like, whoa, I felt like we had, like, an hour or more of movie there. You know yeah. what I mean? Because there's so much more you could tell. Like, the Facebook story is still happening, mm-hmm. and it's honestly something that we could check back in with, you know, five Social years later. Social Network 2. <laughs> 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 maybe That'd maybe not good. even make a sequel, but maybe make another film that, you know, takes just a broader you know, stroke and, and tells the story in less detail, but covers more ground. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the social network is one of the best scripts of all time. I think just a tight film. I I love it. I think everybody here has seen it and probably enjoys it. Yeah. Yeah. David Fincher is, uh, probably my favorite all time director, Mm. mostly because of fight club. Um, but, uh, it was a hard thing because we were originally going to top 10 and I knew I w- wanted a David Fincher movie. I was debating between this one and Gone Girl. Mm. I ultimately went with the social network originally. Yeah. I, no, I ultimately went with Gone Girl originally because uh, social network is a great film and it's amazing how well Fincher makes a movie about people having conversations in a room. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't really know how he does that, but like, um, yeah, David Fincher... He, he makes one of my favorite shows. We already talked about Mindhunter, which might not get a season three, and I'm devastated about yeah. it. But this, uh, this movie, Social Network, I, I watched it, and I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I watched it whenever it came out, like everybody else mm-hmm. did, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know, because it was right off of Zombieland for me, because uh, mm-hmm. that came out in 2009, and then 2010, the Social Network came out. So I was, like, fresh on the uh, Jesse, Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg train. Uh, but, yeah, that movie did so well in my in my head and my heart, mostly because Brenda Song was in it for a couple of <laughs> But... Also, because, like you said, it was such a tight film. Everything was clean and cut, and Justin Timberlake did a cool job. I didn't expect him to do well in a film. And mm-hmm. Andrew I don't know. Garfield. Andrew Garfield. I mean, it, it was a really stacked cast in retrospect. And I don't know. I think it had everything that it needed to be for what it was. Does that make sense? You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was. It's not a movie about superheroes, explosions, and everything. It's about a movie about how a social network was created, and that's what it felt like. It was nice. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. I think um, I saw it a long time ago, yeah. but um, I think ago. if I were to like see it now and like actually like analyze it and stuff, I'd be like, "Wow, like that, yeah. this is deep." <laughs> because I, I know that like Mark Zuckerberg is kind of this scummy guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I think that now that it's twenty twenty, people can kind of see that and stuff. But he's very very smart and he's very smart. intelligent. However. I, he just needs to get his stuff together with Facebook because right now I don't think he, he really quite gets it and stuff. Um, I kind of wish people would make a movie about Twitter too, like the guy Jack, um, Jack Dorsey. I think yeah, that's his, his name. name. I'm yeah. just waiting on the Elon Musk movie. That's going to be like the greatest film ever. Like the Rocket social, film. the Social Network Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Other Jeez. networks. Tesla the musical. I really think Elon Musk is going to be a supervillain one day, but continue. <laughs> I mean, he's going to space, and he's he's gonna create a new. He'll planet. be he Mars's problems. <laughs> 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 Did you see the picture of him with like a rocket going up behind him? He has like a trench coat on. No. It's ridiculous. He looks like an actual superhero. <laughs> <laughs> <It's laughs> <kinda laughs> yeah. Well, those are our top five uh, films for the uh, the decade of the 2010s. Um, I'm sure that you've enjoyed it. We're on social <laughs> media now. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed it. You probably fell asleep. Um, we're on social media now. Uh, we have a Twitter. Uh, that handle is uh, what the the what is that? You can find us uh, the best take. I don't know our at. I can I can pull it up real quick. Uh, but you can. We're on Facebook too. We are at the best take one. If you have trouble finding us, because there's another best take. Must be. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, we're the best best take. Yeah, we're the best, best take best squared. Take. Um, and then we're also going to be on Facebook soon as uh, well as Spotify. We are going to upload more episodes uh, during the week. So that'll be cool. And we and also have a special thing on KNWT coming up. Yeah, we're doing something new. Um, if you are thinking, wow, man, these men, their voices. I wonder what that <laughs> face looks like. Uh, you can see our face on uh, Nerd Central over on KNWT. Uh, they will be on YouTube every Monday. Um, we usually upload about one or two o'clock. I can't remember which exactly. Um, but we will be discussing, uh, newer movies sort of (laughs) because, uh, we will watch something and then we will watch something that is slightly off of, uh, that version. And that's what the segment will be called. It will be called slightly off. Yeah. There's connections, but they're often very (laughs) weak. They're very comedic effect. (laughs) Our, our first one, uh, because this will probably be around that time, it's uh, when whenever Birds of Prey comes out, yeah, you know, and then we'll have our 
first film, which is uh, well, the big year. Yeah, to celebrate <laughs> Birds of Prey, we're watching my personal favorite movie about bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Big Year, starring Owen Wilson, Steve Martin, and Jack Black as a trio of bird watchers in a competition. <laughs> and uh, we, we just think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got a lot of, uh, you know, exciting things to come up um, as far as, you know, content. And another part of that will be um, on the Sunday, February, I believe it's second oh uh, february 9th actually um we will try to live stream the oscars <laughs> try to <laughs> our reaction um, and then least. basically our it'll be like a little reaction video to that so that will be uh friday february 9th um which will be on a sunday but um from all of us here at kzlx lp maryville and from 106.7 uh the x we bring you the best take uh don't forget to join us next week for another great episode